Hi everyone, welcome back to the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of toxoplasmosis with central nervous system involvement found under the neurology section at medbullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. A 29-year-old male is brought to the emergency department by his male partner due to chronic headache and confusion. The patient is HIV positive and his CD4 positive count one month ago was 73 cells per microliter. He has not been adherent to his antiretroviral and prophylactic therapy. An MRI of the head demonstrates a ring-enhancing lesion. Enzyme-linked immunoassay demonstrates positive antitoxoplasma IgG antibodies. Let's continue with an introduction to toxoplasmosis with central nervous system involvement. Remember that this is the most common infection of the central nervous system in patients with AIDS. It is caused by Toxoplasma gondii, which is an obligate intracellular protozoan. Infection in immunocompetent patients is usually asymptomatic. Infection in immunosuppressed patients, such as those with AIDS, may result in parasite reactivation, which leads to infection. A CD4 positive count is typically less than 100 cells per microliter and there may be encephalitis, which may demonstrate a ring-enhancing lesion on head imaging. Patients may also have retinochoroiditis. And the extracerebral manifestations of toxoplasmosis include chororetinitis and pneumonitis. In terms of the epidemiology, remember that there's a 30% risk of reactivation in immunocompromised patients, and in those not receiving prophylaxis or antiretroviral therapy. Also remember that about 30% of the worldwide population is infected. Moving on to the presentation. Symptoms may include headache, fever, seizure, focal neurological deficit, confusion, and flu-like symptoms. On exam, one may note cervical lymphadenopathy. In terms of the evaluation, head imaging is with the head CT or head MRI. This may demonstrate a ring-enhancing lesion. Also remember that MRI is more sensitive and preferred. In terms of serology, one should perform testing for antitoxoplasma IgM and IgG antibodies via an ELISA test. In terms of the differential, make sure to think about a brain abscess, CNS lymphoma, metastatic cancer, and neurocystocercosis. In terms of treatment, medical options include pyrimethamine plus sulfadiazine plus leucovorin. Remember that one can replace sulfadiazine with clindamycin in those intolerant to sulfa drugs. Another option is corticosteroids, although this is only used in those with mass effect. And another option is anticonvulsants, although this is only used in those presenting with seizures. Special considerations include patients with HIV, especially those with a CD4 positive count less than 100. For patients with a past medical history of HIV with severe immunosuppression, focal neurological findings, and ring-enhancing lesions on head imaging. The next step in management is empiric treatment for toxoplasma encephalitis with pyrimethamine sulfadiazine for 10 to 14 days. Make sure to get follow-up head imaging after 10 to 14 days. If the patient fails to improve clinically or the size of the lesion does not change, the next step would be a biopsy of the lesion. In terms of prevention, Remember that primary prophylaxis with trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole is in those with a CD4 positive count less than 100. An alternative is a tovaquone with or without pyrimethamine and leucovorin, 
erdapsone, with pyrimethamine, also with leucovorin. Other methods of prevention include safe water use, frequently changing cat litter, thoroughly cleaning fruits, vegetables, and meats, and not drinking unpasteurized goat milk. In terms of the prognosis, remember that this is severe in immunocompromised patients and has an increased mortality. And lastly, complications related to toxoplasmosis include maternal transmission and reactivation, which mostly occurs in the immunocompromised. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to toxoplasmosis with CNS involvement, let's walk through a question to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For this question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 51-year-old man presents to the emergency department with left arm weakness. He says that he has also been having a progressively worsening headache for the last two weeks. Earlier this week, he initially had clumsiness of the left hand that progressed to being unable to elevate his arm. His friends and partner have noted changes in his personality, characterizing him now as being easily irritable and prone to making hurtful statements. His past medical history is significant for HIV and his last CD4 count was 92 cells. He admits that he has only been taking one of his antiretroviral medications. His temperature is 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit or 37.0 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 122 over 90. Pulse is 100 beats per minute and respirations are 18 breaths per minute. An MRI of the brain with gadolinium is obtained, which demonstrates a ring-enhancing lesion with surrounding edema. Which of the following is the most appropriate next step in management? And the answer choices are, choice one, administration of dexamethasone. Choice two, biopsy of the lesion under fluoroscopic guidance. Choice three, changing to triple combination antiretroviral therapy. Choice four, empiric treatment with pyrimethamine and sulfadiazine. Or choice five, incision and drainage of the lesion. The best answer to this question is, choice four, empiric treatment with pyrimethamine and sulfadiazine. This patient with HIV and a CD4 level less than 100 who presents with focal neurological deficits and a ring-enhancing lesion on imaging most likely has toxoplasmosis. This infection should be treated empirically with pyrimethamine and sulfadiazine. Toxoplasmosis is the most common infection of the central nervous system in patients with acquired immunodeficiency syndrome and usually occurs in patients with CD4 counts less than 100. In these patients, toxoplasmosis will cause encephalitis that can be seen as a ring-enhancing lesion on head imaging. Patients can present with headache, fever, seizures, and focal neurological deficits. Confusion and change in personality are also possible in this condition. The differential diagnosis for these lesions includes brain abscess, CNS lymphoma, metastatic cancer, and neurocysticercosis. In patients with HIV and low CD4 counts, empiric treatment should be started with pyrimethamine and sulfadiazine. The patient should then have repeat CNS imaging to assess response to therapy. If the patient is responding, then continued treatment and antiretroviral therapy is indicated. Otherwise, workup for other causes in the differential is necessary. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice one, administration of dexamethasone could be used if patients are experiencing significant herniation or mass effect of neural tissue. In this case, 
no significant mass effect is noted on head imaging. Choice 2. Biopsy of the lesion under fluoroscopic guidance should be performed in patients with ring-enhancing lesions in the absence of HIV infection. In patients with low CD4 counts, empiric antibiotic treatment should be started before a definitive diagnosis is determined. Biopsy may be indicated if there is no response to appropriate antibiotic and antiretroviral therapy. Choice 3. Changing to triple combination antiretroviral therapy would be beneficial for the long-term health of this patient, but does not take priority over treating the toxoplasmosis infection present in this patient. Moreover, ensuring medication compliance and overcoming any barriers would be optimal care of this patient. Choice 5. Incision and drainage of the lesion would be appropriate for patients with a brain abscess. However, a ring-enhancing lesion in the presence of low CD4 counts is more commonly caused by toxoplasmosis infection. Sinus and dental infections are common risk factors for brain abscesses. Finally, a bullet summary. Toxoplasmosis infection in patients with AIDS should be treated empirically with pyrimethamine and sulfadiazine. That's all for this review about toxoplasmosis with central nervous system involvement. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here, on the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast.